thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our student pastor, Brandon Pruitt. All right. Good morning, my Simple Church family. How are you doing? Well, I'm good too. I am excited this morning. My name's Brandon. I'm the youth pastor here, and I get to start, as Amanda already said, our new series on prayer, which is titled Talking with God, because this is what prayer is. Prayer is talking with God. Let's say that. I'm going to pull Brandon again and say it with me. Prayer is talking with God. And so our prayer through this series is that you might experience a more abundant relationship talking with our amazing Heavenly Father. And that's my prayer through this. And this is one of my favorite things that I get to do, you guys. I don't know if I exuberate excitement when I'm up here, but people tell me I get kind of excited because I love this. I love when God is sharing things with me through, through his word and through different pastors. And, and one that's been really influential to me in this message is a guy named Mike Todd, and I'm so thankful for him. And I'm just so excited to share with you this morning what I've learned these past couple weeks as I've been studying on this topic. But before we get into that, I got to ask you guys a question because we're in Iowa and this is pretty important. So raise your hands if this is you. Who's been to the Iowa State Fair? Now look at, look at the ones around you who haven't and give them a shake of shame. Just like, <laughs> where have you been? And, okay, okay, leave your hands up. Leave your hands up if all you went for was the food. Yeah, there's my foodies. Yeah, that, oh man, this is why we go. My family's actually here from Wisconsin. Go ahead and give them a round of applause because they're awesome. Um, and I love them, and, and I look forward to this time of the year because we get to go to the fair, and there's so many wonderful delights at the Iowa State Fair, and, and you just you get a chance to gorge and just eat everything. We actually, this is a tip for all of you. You go, and you just buy something, and then you eat. You all share it together because then you get everything. You don't get stuff. But I love food, which is so fortunate for me because not only do I live in Iowa where I get to experience the amazing, wonderful delicacies that, are, delicacies that are offered at the Iowa State Fair, but I also married an amazing woman who loves to cook, you guys. <laughs> and, and, and when I came out of college and I found out there was more to life than a ramen cookbook, my life was so blessed. And she likes to experiment and she finds all these things on Pinterest and creates things that I never knew were possible. But sometimes I get a little nervous because um, she likes to experiment and she likes to create things that I'm not so sure of. Like recently in the past couple years, she tried this new thing called ratatouille. Um, and those of you who may be familiar with that, you're like, that's a cute movie. It's got a rat that cooks in it, and it's so adorable. Yes, the rat's adorable, but I also remember the point where the main character goes, you mean rat patootie? And that's what he called, like, rat. It'll take you a minute to catch up. But he, he calls it rat patootie, so that's what's going through my head. I'm like, we're going to eat rat patootie? And some of you are like, no, it's cute. It's great. Well, let me show you what's in ratatouille, okay? We've got, when she makes it, there's red pepper. Well, that's, yeah, yum. That's not too bad, right? Um, then we've got yellow squash. Okay, okay, you guys can get behind that. Zucchini. Okay, all right, all right. And then eggplant. And I don't know about you guys, but most of the time I don't associate eggplant with anything that I want to eat. <laughs> We're moving on. Um, but I, I, looked at, I looked at all, I heard all these things and I'm like, that, where's the meat? That's all vegetables. I'm a growing boy. <laughs> and that's, there's no meat in there. And I'm getting worried. And she's like, and, and so we, she makes this dish. And I, I, I love to support my wife and everything she makes. And so we sit down. And it's in the center of the table. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, it's, it looks all right. And I put it a little bit on my plate. And then I start to stall. 
I start to ask her about her day, and I'm like, no, 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 you eat, you eat, I'll, I'll share, let me tell you about my day. <laughs> and we start to go in it, and then finally it comes time, and I take, I take it off the plate, and I bring it up to my mouth, it hits my taste buds, and oh my goodness, Oh my goodness, I can't get enough of it. This stuff is amazing. And now it's one of my favorite dishes. And everyone who comes over, I love to share it with them, which is also a bonus because everyone's like, ratatouille, yeah, I've never had that. And they give the like fake like, and I'm like, just you wait. And it's so good. But the reason I start here is because so many of us are viewing our relationship with God through the act of prayer in the same way that I originally saw this ratatouille. We see these vegetables and these things that we've never had, and, and we're like, 15 minutes in the morning to pray? Uh, maybe. Or, or I have to find a spot alone to pray to God? Like, I'm not so sure. Like, just, no, I don't know about that. Or, or I have to be vulnerable with God? Nah, that, that's not for me. That's disgusting. I'm not about that. And so we give up on it. And my prayer for you this morning is that I may be able to give you a taste of something that you've never had a chance to taste before. And you will find that it is so, so good. It is so good. And so I want to give you, because here's the thing, here's, here's the thing. Amy, when she created this ratatouille, there was a secret sauce. There was this garlicky, buttery goodness just covering all the vegetables and masking their initial flavor, but, 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 you know, and just covering it, and it was so good, and so that takes me to my title this morning. I want to give you the secret sauce of prayer. I want to give you the secret sauce of prayer this morning, and I believe it can be found in a single verse, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, that says this, then if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore, this, restore their land. And so this morning, I want to do two things with you. And that is I want to give you the three ingredients that I believe come from this verse that are the secret sauce of prayer. And then not only that, I want to give you three reasons why you should even risk trying it. Why do we pray? Why do people of God, people who claim to be Christian and have a relationship with Jesus, why do we do that? And I want to share that with you, because I don't know about you guys, but I always want to know why I'm doing something. So let's pray, and let's taste it together. How's that sound? Awesome. Let's do it. Dear God, I just come to you this morning, and oh, man, you are, I just love that we get to saturate this place in prayer. And I'm so thankful for the relationship I have with you and the fact that I get to talk to you, God. And I just pray over this message this morning. It is such a privilege to have the opportunity to share truths that you reveal to me. And I, I don't take that for granted, God. I'm so thankful for that. And I just pray that I do it justice this morning. Please speak through me. Please help us in here to know and understand what it really is. Thank you, God, for our time together. We lift it up to you. In your name, amen. All right, so we're in 2 Chronicles 7 this morning. And again, you can open up your Bibles. Your Bible app will be there. It'll also be on the screen. But I want to give you a little bit of background where we're at. We're, we're in this scene where this guy named Solomon is, is King Solomon. He's the son of King David, and he's known as the wisest man to ever live. And he's got it all. He's got, like, riches, and he's got the hugest palace and all that. You, none of you match up. I'm sorry. He's, like, he's this amazing dude, and he's at this point in his life where he's been tasked with building this glorious temple to God. 
and they just got done, and they're in the middle of the completion of it, and they decide to praise God through two things, through sacrifice and through prayer. And not only this, but it says, it says in, in 2 Chronicles 7 that they did this for seven days. Some of you are like, bro, 15 minutes is enough for me, like seven days. But they were so excited about what God was doing that they did this for seven days. And then at the end of it, God comes to Solomon, or we, we hear it says his voice was made audible to Solomon, and he talks to him and he says this, 2 Chronicles 7, 12, it says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops and send plagues among you. And then verse 14, which is where we're at, says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. And I'm just going to hit the brakes right there because he talks about this temple. But for those of us who have Christ, we are that temple. Anyway, moving on. We're in 2 Chronicles 4, 7, 14. And through his words to Solomon, he gives us the secret sauce of prayer. Check this out. The first thing he says is, by my name will humble themselves and pray. And so here's the first ingredient. We have to humble ourselves. You have to humble yourself. And I, I get it. I get it. I know. You the best. You the best. You wear the flyest outfit. You the top dog at work. You the best on the court. You're the, you're the one that the ladies all come to for wisdom. But here's the thing. God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about that. He doesn't care that you're the, the CEO at work that you make six, fi six figures, that you have 3,000 followers on your gram, that, that you're the best on your, in your court or league, or that you're the A student. And, and don't hear me wrong in that. He cares about the details of your life. He cares like me as a father cares about the things that my daughter's involved in, but what he doesn't care about is the pride that you, we sometimes allow to come along with it. And so when we come in front of God, we got to take that crown that we wear during the day and we got to set it down. You got to take that crown and set it down. And humble yourself because here's why. When we come into the presence of God and we come with that humility, this is what happens. We come in and go, God, none of that stuff matters. Thank you so much for all the gifts I've been given and the opportunities you allow me. But none of that matters because I just want to connect with you. I want to connect with you. And I don't know about you guys, but when my daughter comes into my life and goes, I just want to connect with you, that's where real connection happens. And so the first thing we have to do is humble ourselves. Take that crown, we have to put it down. Which takes me to my second ingredient. And it's this, if you check this out, he says, humble yourself and pray and then seek my face. And so the second ingredient is we have to seek God. Now notice, notice I didn't say look. Right, what happens when you lose your keys? You just kind of look around and go, I can't find them. Whatever, they're gone. No, that's not what you do. You like start moving stuff around, right? Like you start lifting up couch cushions and you quit, start bugging your friends. You're like, have you seen them? Have you seen them? Have you seen them? And you stay there until you found them, partly because you can't really go anywhere until you found them, but, but also because your keys are important, you seek for them. And God is saying, I want that same passion 
for me. I want you to seek after me. And what that looks like is maybe, just maybe, you start asking others like, oh, what's your prayer life look like? What works for you? Or, or maybe this spot and the way I prayed there didn't work, so I'm going to try something different. Or I'm going to go here and I'm going to pray during the day. And I, or maybe I'm going to pray this long. Or maybe I'm going to try here. And you start seeking it because what happens is Scripture says that when we seek God, he seeks us. When we seek him, he seeks us. And so if you begin to seek, I promise you, you will find. You will find him. And so God says, humble yourself when you pray and seek him. And then this is the third ingredient. And this is a hard one. This is a really hard one because it's not popular. It's a tough one for most of us because we don't want to admit it half the time. But he says this. He says, humble yourself, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. And so the third ingredient is to churn away. And it says from your wicked ways, which I think is really hard to hear because a lot of us are like, no, 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 Brandon, that's, that's harsh. I'm not wicked. I'm not wicked. That, that neighbor I have across the street, you know, they're pretty wicked. They like let their grass grow too long. And, you know, or, or, or that, that employee I have to work with at work, like they're, they're a jerk. They're wicked. But here's what I've noticed. I don't know if you guys have kind of thought about this, but anytime someone says that they're not bad, they always draw the line at where the limit of what they'll do is. You ever thought about that? Like, no, 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 I would never do that, that so they're bad. And the truth of the matter is, is there's something to what Paul has to say in Romans 6 when he says, for, all, for everyone is sinful, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And the truth is, is that we're all wicked in some way, even, even if others don't know about it. Because what is true in the darkness is also true in the light. And all of us have things in our life, and, and myself included, of like wickedness that we turn to because it's just our nature. And God says, I, I want you to turn away from that. Think, think of it this way. Think of it this way. If you have a friend, right, and they find out that there's something that bothers you, and they're like, whatever, they just need to grow tough skin. I'm just going to keep doing it. What happens to your friendship? Probably starts to get a little rocky probably gets to, the, if it continues, it might even get to the point where it's like, I don't want to be friends with them anymore because they don't care about me. They don't care enough to want to have a relationship with me. One way I've heard it is, don't fight to be right, fight for the relationship. And, and it's no different with God. He wants a relationship with you. He's a relational God. And if we continue to do things that are against him, it's only going to push him away. And for some of you, you hear this and it's like, okay, sure, Brandon, I can get behind that. I can think of things that are wicked, but I can think of a lot of things that are wicked in my life. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the things I've been a part of. And there's no way. I don't know. There's no possible way. And you know what? There is. And you know how to do it. You know how I know? Because a lot of us have been on road trips. And anytime you pass your exit, what do you do? You turn around doesn't matter how far you've gone. I've definitely had moments where I've gone really far, and I'm like, oh, like what the heck? But I want to get to the destination I intended, so I turn around. And there's no distance that you can go that you cannot turn around and start heading back to God. No distance. And so the three ingredients, man, Aaron, you got like a sweet setup over here. But the three ingredients is to humble yourself, to seek God, and to turn away. And then here's the promise. Here's the promise. 
He says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And some translations say, I will heal their land. So he says, if you do these three things, if you humble yourself, if you seek God and you turn from your wicked ways, he will forgive you and he will heal you. Now raise your hand if you need some of that in your life. And for those of you who aren't raising, okay, all right, we'll, we'll believe it for now. But, but like, all, man, what an amazing promise. But what does that really look like, right? Like, what does that really look like? Like, Brandon, I can get behind garlicky, buttery sauce. Goodness, you tell me that's on ratatouille and that masks the flavor. I'm all about that. Like, I can get to that. But what does forgiveness and healing in my life really look like? Like, we talk about this in church and people say like, oh, he just, he forgives you. He heals you. But I, what does that mean really? And I want to give you three, like I said, I want to give you the three reasons why we pray. The three reasons why we pray. And the first one is this. It's to invite God in. It's to invite God in. Because God is not one who invades. But we want to believe he does. We want to believe he'll just come in and he'll go, whoop, poof, and like come in, I'm changing your life. Like, like the, has anyone seen that Kool-Aid man commercial where he comes in and he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm coming in and you're going to drink my Kool-Aid. Like we believe God's going to come in and do that in our life and just tell us how to live, but he's not like that. One, we'd probably be a little freaked out. And two, we'd be like, that's not loving at all. And so he's not like that. He comes in and he waits and he asks and he waits to be in. It's more, it's more like what Jesus says in Revelation. He says, then if my people, sorry, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together. And so Jesus is waiting to be invited in. He's coming up and he's going, Hey, it's me. I just thought we could, we could hang out, we'd chat. I could maybe help you with something. Oh, oh, you're too busy today. You've got, you've got a new boyfriend. Okay, I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back next week. And then he comes back. Hey, it's me, you know, JC. <laughs> I, <laughs> I heard some things were going on in your life, and, and I care about you. I just want to know if I could come in and, and help you because that's kind of what I do. Oh, you, you got it. You got it. Oh, okay, okay. You want to be left? All right, I'm here when you need me. I'll come. And he's waiting to be invited in because he's not a God who invades. He's a God who waits to be invited. And the, the sweet part is, is that when we invite him in, we get a relationship with him that it turns from something that's not transactional. Because here's the deal, here's the issue, is many of us, even for us Christians, we have that prayer when, you know, the only time we've really prayed is when we prayed to ask him into our lives for salvation. And then we open the door and we say goodbye and we don't invite him back. And I really thought about this, and, and then we, the only other time we pray is, is when we need him. Like, like, oh my gosh, there's a tragedy going on in my family. I need you, God, right now. Or, or like that, oh man, I hope this pilot can do his job. Or I hope my team wins. Or, or I forgot the, the answers to this test I'm about to enter and by some heavenly divine thing, would you please put all the answers in my mind? Like, like, and we pray when we need him. But you know who it is that we call when we need something? An electrician? A plumber? And those are called services. That's a business transaction, not a relationship. Those are transactions. And God wants a relationship with you that's not transactional. He wants a relationship that's transformational. 
And that's what you'll get when you invite them in. And to even take it a step further, think about, again, the friends in your life and if all they did was come to you when, you need, when they needed something. Like, hey, Becky, I saw your picture on the gram and you looking good. That outfit was so nice. Can, can I have the hat that you had on? And every time you get a call from this person, all they want is something from you. I imagine you would start to think, I don't really want to answer those calls anymore. And it would dread when they called and wouldn't really want to be in relationship with them. And it starts to make me wonder how God feels when all we want is from him instead of want a relationship with him. Because the godly, when, we, when the godly pray, it's out of love, not out of lust. God, it's, it's the end result in prayer for, for those people is to be closer to God and not just something he can provide. And it's when you invite him in that you can begin, he can begin to be our guide. He can begin to be your guide and your healer. The second reason we pray is we get to communicate with God personally. And this is so, this is so cool. This is so cool. We get to communicate with God personally. We get to have a personal relationship with him. But, but it takes more than just those drive-by prayers, that, that scripted prayer that you have. And you're like, yeah, hallow, Father, be your name. Okay, that's my prayer for the day. Like, it's more than that. It's, it's an everyday practice. It's stepping up in the morning and going, man, I don't feel like praying today. But I'm going to humble myself and do it anyway. Man, I don't feel like hanging out with this friend that I have in my life today, but, but I know it will strengthen our relationship, so I'm going to do it anyway. It's no different with God. And humbling yourself and saying, man, I want more than just what you provide. I want a relationship with you. And for some of us, it's taking that five minutes in the morning to, ch to check in with God instead of checking in on social media and seeing how many followers we have. Seeing, oh man, how many followers do I have? Well, God's checking to see, are, are you my follower? Ooh, right? Like, ooh, let's, let's, okay, I'll let that sit. But, but the question that comes from that that I get a lot is like, okay, how long do I pray though? Like how long? I know people who pray for hours and I know people who pray for, some of the prayers in scripture are like the shortest ever, but then I see people who pray for, so how long do I do it? And I've always struggled with this. I've personally struggled with this. I sit down sometimes and I'm like, man, five minutes seems like enough this morning. You know, like, but Someone mentioned to me, and through a, different, a couple different preachers I've listened to, this quote has been brought to my attention by a guy, um, I don't want to screw up his name, Smith Wiggleworth. And he's an apostle, oh yeah, he's an apostle of faith during the 20th century, and he puts it this way. He says, I never pray more than 20 minutes at a time, but I never go more than 20 minutes without prayer. Because when that's your attitude, the aim becomes not to check off a task, it becomes to, to have a relationship and listen to God. And when I say that word listen, the problem that I've gotten from that and the one I've struggled with and I've had so many questions about is like, well, how do you hear God? Like, how do you have a conversation with him? I don't hear anything. You read in the Old Testament, it sounds like his voice is there. I don't ever hear that. It's audible. And, and I've always struggled with that of like, okay, how do I really hear God? And then God like flipped it, flipped this for me on its head. Because I have a daughter who's six years old and she's amazing. I love, man, I love being a dad. Uh, but when she was really young, she talked like this. Like, I can't even, I was, uh, my, <laughs> my, my nephew the other day was talking, and his dad goes, it sounds like he's talking in Russian. Like, like you know, and, and, and it's like, but I try to put myself in, in her shoes and begin to think, 
okay, that must be really frustrating for her. And if you guys have seen that video of that dad talking to his son, and it's like, oh, it's so cute. But like, what about from their perspective? Would you just speak my language? Would you just talk to me? I'm trying to talk to you. And like in their head, I can only imagine. But how naive would it be if my daughter at one years old started thinking in her mind, man, he's, he doesn't understand me. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. Just start giving me the silent treatment. One would be really worried. But like how naive would it be for her to lower her father down to her form of communication? And what would that ultimately do? It would keep us from having the intimate relationship that I have with my daughter now. And I wonder, I wonder, are any of us limiting our relationship with God by trying to limit him to our form of communication? And I'll tell you, this has been huge for me. And I'm, fine, I'm just trying to listen in any way I can. And as I've done it, I've been so blessed and I'm excited for where it's gonna go because it's so good hearing from God and having constant access to him. And this blows my mind. I, I, I wonder, guys, like how sometimes I'm able to step into situations and, and I'm, one of, I'm, I'm young. And I, I, I fret a lot of times when I go to counsel others that are older than me and even lead in this church, and I go, how do I have the wisdom to be able to speak into anybody's situation that I haven't been in before? And it's because I'm connected to the one with all wisdom. That's the only reason. And it's awesome. And I don't get it right all the time, and I, I try my, but as I continue to grow in it, it's been such a blessing. But speaking of that, here's the third reason we pray, and then I'm almost done. Is prayer is a weapon. Oh, man, this is a good one. Where are my guys at in the room? You, you, you got, we like weapons, right? Well, this is the most powerful weapon. We have been given authority here on earth. For those of, us who claim, those of us who have Christ living in us, we have been given authority to loose, Scripture tells us, to loose and bind things, to allow or disallow. Yet so many of us, so many of us come into situations and we pray like this. We're like, um, uh, God, uh, if you're not too busy today, and if it's like okay with you, could you, uh, like if it's all right, and it, you'd be okay, can you maybe help me with, the, if it's just all right? No, that's not. You've been given so much more power than that. You've been given so much more, like, this amazing weapon. It's, it's, and you can declare things over your situation in life in Jesus' name. You can literally walk into rooms and go, God, thank you for the peace in this place. I thank you so much, and I declare, I allow peace in this room. I allow joy in this place, and it will happen. And you know what? You don't even have to be loud. I know I get kind of loud, but you don't have to. You can come into your room and be like, God, thank you for the peace in this place. Because power doesn't come in volume, it comes in who's backing you up. And you can walk into things. And the, I've discovered this in my own life. The most recent one that's been so cool to me is Finley. My six-year-old daughter has been scared of monsters. And I'm like, girl, there are no monsters. But there are real spiritual things, and that's a whole different message. But, but she comes in, and she's like, I'm scared of monsters. And finally, I just humbled myself, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pray. Finley, can I pray over you? Can I pray with you? And I, I sat in her room, and I go, God... I disallow any evil thing in this room. And I allow peace and rest for my daughter, and I thank you in advance for the rest that she's going to have tonight, and she's going to be rejuvenated for tomorrow morning. And I left that room, and it is crazy. She rested. Didn't come to me for the rest of the night. And here's even the crazier part, is after that, Finley has come to me every night. Said, Dad, can you pray with me? 
because my six-year-old daughter recognizes the power in prayer. And even the other night when she had all her friends over for a sleepover, which I needed prayer for that. But, but like, and I was, you better believe I was praying, God, give me the patience and the wisdom. But like, she came to me out of hanging out with her friends in our bedroom and goes, Dad, can you pray with me? Because my daughter recognizes the power in prayer. And some of you, some of you that claim to know Christ, you've put your weapon down. And I urge you to pick it back up and declare things in the name of Jesus. Because you have that power. Jesus, I even read this week in Matthew 17, he says, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. That's the power that we have. Because prayer isn't a wish list, it is a weapon. It is a weapon. And your prayer has the power to change things. James 5.16 puts it this way, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so prayer is powerful. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And if I may, it is delicious. It is delicious. And this, this right here is, oh man, guys, I'm, I'm having some of this later. This is this ratatouille that, that my wife makes. And, and it is so great. And I, I ask, have you ever tasted it? Because I've begun to, and it is amazing. And then the question I follow up with is, do you want to? Do you want to taste it? Or are you okay continuing to see prayers, the bland vegetables in their raw state? Continue to look at it in the routines that maybe you've learned from, you know, your childhood by people who really meant well, but that didn't get it? Or are you, do you want to experience something more? Do you want to take the secret sauce and put it on your prayer. And when you do, it becomes so good. You get to taste it, and it is good. And that's my prayer for you, is that you'd walk away from this morning going, I want to taste that. And you would humble yourself, you'd begin to seek him, and you'd begin to turn away. And that's what I got. Let's pray. <laughs> God, you were so good. I love you so much. And I, I thank you for the privilege that I get to stand on this stage in this place and speak to people and share truth with them that you've showed with me. What a privilege that is. And I pray, God, for those here in this room who have not experienced prayer and conversation with you, talking with you in the way that is truly meant to be, I pray that they would Seek it, God. I pray that they would humble themselves. I pray that they would seek you and churn from their wicked ways so they can taste what you have for them because it is good. And so I lift up anyone here in this room that you'd give them the courage, that you would give them the, the enthusiasm, the endurance to begin having that kind of relationship with you. And that is my prayer for my family this morning. I lift it up to you, God. I love you so much and thank you so much again for the privilege to be here and to share it. In your holy and precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our church family, please visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our Simple.Church app.